when you don't see a way out, your mm-hmm. intuition guides you. But you're like, no, but it has to happen. Or I need to see the step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 before I start exactly taking right. action, right? And so it's having the courage to, to lean into the intuition when it doesn't make sense because 99% of the time it doesn't make sense. Let's go! Welcome to Becoming an Epic Being with your host, Sukoon. As an advocate of conscious living, my mission is to help you young adults navigate through the confronting issues of your generation, question conventional beliefs, and choose authenticity, because that is where your true joy lies. Each week, I dive into raw conversations with inspiring guests who have undergone big shifts and are here to offer you the tools to do the same. So get ready to step up your game and jump on the ride as you begin the journey towards the next stage of your self-evolution. Okay, so we're diving into some real talk today. And I feel like this conversation will be really, really useful because in a world where we're so easily prone to get trapped in the busyness of the chaotic mind and fear-based responses, we often neglect to just slow down and tap into the wisdom of our hearts, which is basically following our intuition. And today you're going to hear about how intuition can be life-saving. My guest, Kevin Crenshaw, shares his journey of how he overcame some of his biggest life obstacles and challenges by just leveraging the wisdom within and trusting the flow of life. In fact, after surviving not one, but a few near-death experiences and overcoming addiction, codependency, and anxiety, Kevin has dedicated his life to sharing how he rose above his pain and found himself in the process. Kevin's on this very profound mission to help the world fall in love with themselves and others while breaking toxic cycles, healing past relational wounds, and living with more self-love and inner fulfillment. He also has a podcast called The Heartbeat, so check that out. But for now, I'm going to let you listen to his deeply profound insights and nuggets of life wisdom. Thanks for being here, Kevin. How are we today? I know yeah, you said I'm you- present. I'm present. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, first of all, love all the work you're doing and the mission that you stand for. I think it's very powerful and one the world really, really needs right now more than ever. And so one of my missions of this podcast is to have people to share their transformative stories. And from whatever I've seen of yours online, it's certainly one of those very, very powerful stuff. So I think it'll just be great for you to share the before and after of your story in the context of all the heart-led work that you do now. Man, it's it's ever-evolving, that's for sure. But I guess I had my wake-up moment after my ex-fiance left me um, right. almost a decade ago now. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then the two, like why that would happen, it was kind of just unsaid and, hey, here's the ring and never heard from her. So... I was kind of really hurt by that and left with this giant question mark about my self-worth, about myself. Can I ask how long you were together for? Four years. And there was no closure. You got zero closure. Not really. That's so unsettling, man. Yeah. And so I, it, you know, it really triggered me. And then the two relationships after her ended because they cheated on me. And I was like, what is going on? Like love Mm -hmm. shouldn't be like this. And I actually woke me up and woke my eyes up to how many people suffer in relationships. And, um, so that 
started my inquiry on the path of understanding masculine feminine dynamics and human psychology and really just bettering myself. And although I was starting to understand a lot of things and a lot of patterns, uh, my patterns still repeated themselves of <laughs> codependency of uh, people pleasing of, um, seeking validation from, from others and getting my sense of value or worth from my relationships intimately. And, um, after chasing emotionally unavailable people, realizing that I wasn't really living for myself and had a huge self worth gap, um, in my life, I really started diving to do some deeper work that involved plant medicine and really just sitting with myself and my connection with God. Well, in the midst of all of that, I started the heart guy before I was doing group fitness and personal training. Yeah. Um, and it took off like so many, I was helping so many people. I was, had a really successful business and within the span of about six months, I'm I'll backtrack on this, but I had a near death experience. Um, I oh, wow. had, I had, it was $120,000 in debt almost overnight. Uh, my entire team left and, uh, the business just kind of crumbled and holy shit. So it was, that really rocked me. And, um, it, the, the, oh, the, uh, near death was an accidental overdose on plant medicine. The, that left me psychotic for about a month afterwards. So I really had to grip myself back to reality. And in all of that, there's a blessing because I became trauma informed and understanding the nuances of transformation at a deeper level. And it really deepened my work, not just my, my practice sure. to my own life, but also the work that I do. And it really refined it because I was a really good facilitator still am, but mm. I became an even better one after all of that and really started to embody a lot of the things that I was talking about. I knew it conceptually, but I wasn't fully living it to be honest. And so that led me down a path of, um, kind of rebuilding, uh, things in a way for, for my career and also for my life and who I am and what I, what I wanted for myself and, um, you know, heartache and heartbreak, I guess, can, and death in the family and, and death of relationships, whatever it is, continues to deepen me more and more into my, myself, my essence. And right now I'm in a conversation of instead of choosing my will and imposing my personal power onto my life, right. um, navigating the flow of the divine and, and listening to God's guidance versus just my own. So I'm currently in that season right now and it's riddled with uncertainty, but in that I can find certainty. And I think it's a lot of the work that I help people with is, um, you know, emotional processing, healing past wounds from relationships or also just in your life. And, um, I really help people with spiritual suffering. Yeah. Um, and in order to do that for whatever reason, I've chosen this path and that means I get to really fully understand it to see my way out of it so that I can actually help people through it. Gosh, you really are a living embodiment of making your mess, your message aren't you <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And you know, the hardest part sometimes is when you actually are in the peak of that shit, like to actually connect with that divine wisdom. Mm -hmm. How did you make that happen? Growing my connection to my intuition. So yeah. with that, that's a whole entire conversation because you have to be present to listen to your intuition, sure. which means you have, when you, when you're present and fully in your body, that opens up space to fully emote or feel emotions that you might be suppressing that you don't even know are there. It could be anger, could be grief, could be shame that you hold, 
So by releasing shame or anger or grief, you have more capacity to be present more of the time. You build this connection to your sense of presence and you're just in the present moment more. You hear the whispers of your intuition louder. Um, it makes sense. You can discern the voice of your fear versus the voice of intuition. When you're fully present, you'll just know because you have a bigger capacity for that knowingness. You're, you chose the radio dial that's attuned to the station of what is, what is God's will for me right now? What's my intuition saying? You're like locked into it. Um, and so I, in my own life recently have really been when there, when there's a, when you don't see a way out. Your mm -hmm. intuition guides you, but you're like, no, but it has to happen. Or I need to see the step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 before I start I taking right. action. Right. And so it's having the courage to, to lean into the intuition when it doesn't make sense because 99% of the time it doesn't make sense why you should go hang out with this person or stay at this place a little bit longer. Or, um, you know what I mean? Like th those, those things that don't make sense, we override it with our mind. And yeah. instead of living uh, a life connected to our intuition and our aliveness and our heart, we start living a, a life uh, from the mind, which most often can be riddled with all of the people pleasing and all of the, what do I need to do in order for, for people to like me or for me to be accepted or me, for me to feel safe. And when we lead with that, we cage ourselves in a mental prison sure. and in a prison of a life that we don't want to live and breaking free of that means dying to what has been to, uh, free yourself to what is. And, um, yeah, there's a lot there, but that's, I'm sure. And I can, I think that's where the main work lies to actually like turn down the dial of your busy and active, the monkey mind and really connect mm -hmm. and be present. Like you said, that's where all the work is. <laughs> and do you think like you had all these insights more after your NDE? I mean, your near death experience. Definitely. Um, yeah. I'm a different person. I mean, quite frankly, when we're grounded and embodied. But when was it, by the way? How long were you happy? End of 2019. So right now right, it's recently. the end of 2023. Yes. Um, and I'm just now fully, I would say, physically recovered from all of that because it ruptured some stuff in my stomach. But mm. I'm, you know, I'm still, you could say That's spiritually, crazy. like it put me on a different path, a different timeline. Like I'm still navigating a lot of that because I now have capacity to work through it all because yeah. you know again i didn't have the, the spaciousness of presence to be able to work through it and i think oh. people that listen to podcasts and are doing the work it, it's it's kind of put on us to always be in the work and always be processing these things or or what have you and sometimes you're not in a space to be able to do it like just recently i went through a breakup and i didn't have space in austin texas to process it all so i went to costa rica for three weeks to process it all, to just do nothing and be in nature. And sometimes, and it's been very present, I guess, to me coming back, like just how fast paced this society mm. that we live in is and how we're, we don't it's give crazy. ourselves space to fully process things, even if it's something that's good, because yeah. we're just on to the next the thing next all thing. the time. The hedonic treadmill, like I call it. Yeah. 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 And in order to actually, you know, it's like, I wrote this down in my notes the other day that, you know, if somebody keeps learning the same lesson over and over again, revisiting the same thing over and over again, either you're not getting the lesson, you're intellectualizing it and you're not embodying it mm -hmm. or you're not integrating it and integration requires space. 
So sure. you understand it, but you continue to move in the same ways. You have to move different to actually learn a lesson. And from what you were saying earlier, from a previous breakups, before you had this awakening, um, mm -hmm. it seems like you got your closures yourself by doing the work and diving into this deep healing work and finding your answers about why stuff didn't work in the past. Would mm -hmm. that be correct? Yeah, definitely. So you found clarity in why someone cheated or why someone randomly broke off or? Yeah, I, I realized that I'm in control of the meaning I make of it. Sure. And I gave myself an empowering meaning to that logically. And then I processed the emotions that were behind it, the anger, the sadness, the frustration, the, the fear of abandonment, all the things. And when the emotions were out of the way, my mind stopped racing. Yeah. Because the mind overthinks what the heart wants to heal. And if you're overthinking something constantly, there's That's an emotion, there's something there that you just need to feel. And sometimes, yeah, there's things where I'm just like, I have no idea what that happened and I don't need to, it happened. Cool. It's a part of my life. And the, the need to know why is very ego driven, mind driven. And also creates so much suffering, right? Like why this, <laughs> why me, why now there's a victim <laughs> mode and moving on from there is that's so profound. That journey itself is so freaking profound that it just is therapeutic in a way. Yeah, exactly. So it's. It's really, I think what we're talking about here is just the dialogue of the mind versus the mm. sensed experience yeah. of life. Yeah. And I don't think many people realize that the quality of any relationship is to do with the relationship that you have with yourself. And I also know that in this construct of the digital age and social media, our concept of self-love has been heavily misconstrued with this constant need for validation and the obsession with selfies and filters and whatnot. And you're really deep into this work. Like you do this for a living with people in terms of helping people connect with themselves. So how would you describe self-love in its truest essence? The truth of what's being real with yourself, so being honest with yourself, the truth of what's present for you in any given moment. Number one, self-honesty how what's what you really want to do how you actually feel mm. even if it's not correct to feel that way you shouldn't be feeling sad because they xyz be honest with yourself number one um and then i would say number two is a conversation around needs whether it's you're meeting your own needs or you're articulating your needs to other people in a in a effective manner, meeting your own needs or speaking to somebody who can help you meet your needs is self-love as well. And what do you mean meeting your own needs? What kind of needs are these? Emotional needs, maybe physical needs, roof okay. and shelter and food. It could be also be, I, I need a friend to talk to right now. And you give that to yourself by calling up a friend that you can trust, or, you know, I really need some help and you ask for help. Like, whatever the thing is, we stop ourselves from meeting our needs because there's a, again, on the topic of it being so misconstrued, there's, there's a saying, and I used, I posted this before and I don't believe it anymore that needing nothing attracts everything. It's attractive to not need anything. I don't anymore. Owning your needs is attractive. I agree. To say that you don't need anything, that's self-abandonment and that's codependency. And that's, it, it will, it will attract a, a facade. 
if that's what you want, but it's not like, and I lived that and I continue to revisit that lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, and so really the sexiest thing you can do is own your needs and say, and know who you are and own your truth at any given moment. Because when you do that, um, it's attractive because it's rare in a world Mm -hmm. where so many people are shooting themselves to death. I should do this. I should do this. I should be like this. Uh, or they try to angle themselves and say the right thing to get you to like them. If you just radically own your truth and sure, like be aware of other people, but like own your truth and own your needs and express them consciously. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. that's okay. Yeah. And it's not like an egotistical thing. It's a, it's a honoring of yourself thing. Sure. And you can honor others in that too. It's not a, you know, either or conversation, but that, and then I would also say devotion more so the discipline because devotion is, um, I am committed to this partnership, this relationship, this, uh, goal that I've set for myself and I'm flexible on how it manifests because mm-hmm. discipline is, it, there's no room for flexibility. You show up no matter how you feel. And that can be helpful sometimes, but being in the fitness industry for a decade, yeah. um, that actually was detrimental in my long-term health, pushing myself constantly like that. And that can play out Mm. in relationships too. I'm using the fitness as an example. Got it. Got it. I also see a huge element of self-love being self-acceptance. A hundred percent. Yeah. I see a huge element of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the truth that you get to accept. Like you said, yeah. Yeah. Because only then you can actually even change something if you want to, if you need to. Or not need, that's like in a judgment, but you know what I mean, right? Just like, yeah, if you have to do the work, then you got to do the work. But that comes from self-awareness and self-acceptance. Most definitely. Why do you think people are so damn afraid to connect with their hearts? Because there's no control there. Wow. Well put. There's no control in it. We will lose control and succumb to our emotions that we've are scared of feeling because the conditioning of, we, of our emotions are not meant to be for you and like don't serve you and mm-hmm. whatever. Or, yeah. or if I feel this, then that means I'm not this person. I think I need to be in order to get love and I'll get rejected or I'll get abandoned if I'm don't have it all together or whatever the yeah. thing is. So there's also an ego death that, that comes with opening your heart fully in that regard. And, yeah. You know, there's no control there. It's, it's, and also you give yourself to your intuition when you're tapped into your heart, which means there's a lot of uncertainty. So living in your mind, there's a lot of uh, illusion of control and there's a lot of illusion of certainty and it gives us a sense of a false sense of safety. And, um, we, we do that as a survival mechanism, but when you live there, it can be very detrimental. So returning back to your heart is giving, it's like, being stranded in the ocean and you have a life jacket that you're holding on to and it's like giving up the life jacket and you don't know how you're going to get out of that situation. Like wh- why the fuck would I get rid of this life jacket? I know, right? <laughs> right. But it's the trust factor of mm-hmm. like, can you trust that the boat's coming? You know, it's coming type of thing. And uh, hopefully that analogy made sense, but yeah, it does. Definitely does. Mm-hmm. And because so much of your work revolves around helping people connect with their heart's wisdom, how has this transformed your own life when you've actually reached that space of connecting with your heart? Or let's just backtrack a bit. What is this heart's wisdom really about? It's your intuition. 
It's okay. That's it. It's yeah. your intuition. It's your um, deeper knowingness. It's the mm-hmm. part of you that accepts yourself. It's the part of you that loves fully. It's the part of you that lets love in fully. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's tapping into that and living from that place. And, um, in that we can live a full life. Yeah. So and in terms of it transforming your life, like specifics. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what to tell. I, Where I'm all yours. I'm, so. <laughs> I am a living example of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that I've met, the things that I've learned, the experiences mm-hmm. that I've had just from following my intuition and connecting to my heart. Um, even the things that quote unquote didn't work out, worked out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm just very, I'm so grateful for all of it. And I can see that through the, the pain and the suffering and the messiness of my life, um, how that shaped me and continues to shape me into the man that I'm becoming to continue to serve people and, and support the world in an amazing way. Um, and even beyond that, just getting me into my heart because the things that you worry about, you don't worry about when you're in your heart most of the time. That's so awesome. You move through life differently and, um, that's real freedom. And we only get one at that at this life. And so I'd rather do it without any regrets and living fully. And, you know, that means feeling fully, which to yeah. answer the question on why, again, of like why people have fear going into their hearts is because more often than not, when you start that process, there's an extremely uncomfortable feeling underneath at the surface that you get to dive into because if you're not feeling fully happy, it's because you're also not allowing yourself to feel fully sad for a basic example. And we just, so we just shrink and we just numb because, and then you're like, why am I not feeling happy? I want to try to feel happy. And then you become addicted to certain substances or things. So you can just feel happy and avoid that thing. What you avoid something and run from something, you don't have any like, space or there's no, you're just running from stuff. So when you face the thing that's uncomfortable, which is a lot of what I help people do, you're free to run towards what you want instead of constantly running away from something. Gosh, that's so true because numbing is a very common coping mechanism. And I know that you run a bunch of retreats in this space. Just curious, what kind of problems or issues do people come to you with? A lot of times it can, it can just be feeling lost. It can be heartbreak. It can be, um, wanting to improve their relationship and and they're kind of like, you know, having a rough time. It could also be somebody who's frustrated and sick and tired of dating the same person with a, in a different person's body over and over again. Right. Like, so there's a lot there. Um, it, it, there is, I haven't really found a commonality of one thing. Sure. The one thing would be, like, um, how do you like, what's the kind of journey you take them through to help them reconnect with their hearts and then, you know, shift their lives in whatever way it needs to be shifted. Um, it really depends. I'm extremely intuitive with what that person needs. Mm. Sometimes it's breath work. Sometimes it's a conversation. Sometimes we enact wow. certain scenes out. Um, whatever is going to get their nervous system to feel the safest going into it and to leave the the biggest impact. 
And then after they, they process these emotions, we rebuild safety and, and, and your identity in a new way. And then after that, you take action on the thing that you normally would never do mm-hmm. to build re- new neural pathways in the brain of like, oh, this is easy for me to do now because there's no resistance. So for an example, and I'm using myself as this example, I had a, I had a emotion that was extremely difficult to feel. I fully felt it. After that, I re-identified as somebody without this emotion riddling my life, plaguing my life. And the thing that I wasn't doing was having really confronting or difficult conversations. So for a month after I did this process with myself, almost every day, I was having some sort of an uncomfortable conversation, even if it's telling somebody no. And then eventually it just became my norm and I'm, I can do it easy. Right. And so you, you feel the feeling, you build new, you build a new sense of identity and then you build new neural pathways to the action that you weren't doing before. And then you wake up a month from then and you're like, well, I'm a different person. And that whole process is a lot of what I got my one-on-one clients through. And it's also what I do in group settings. Um, but mainly it's the retreats and the group settings for the retreats are more like of the actual processing. We have a lot of integration that we do afterwards. Um, on repatterning things. Damn, who would have guessed this this actually is heart led work? Wow, that's pretty interesting. That was all the link between that. Very, very cool. And when you mentioned difficult conversations, it reminded me of how in relationships very often when there's like, you know, conflict that involves tough conversations and just trauma based responses and projections. It just shows a lack of connect with your heart and it's Mm -hmm. everything else to cover up for that facade. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's where our work is so transformational. People really need this. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Right. It's, it's profound. And, you know, even somebody who doesn't think that they need it, they'll show up to the space and something gets brought up. Out of curiosity, how receptive are the majority of men to this work? So traditionally I've had a clientele of like 90% women. More more recently, that's shifted. Um, I don't try to convince anybody to do anything. You know, when they're ready, they're ready to show up. And yeah, so um, there have been more and more men coming to my events, which has been awesome. Um, I haven't really put out any online anything in in some time, although I'm about to start doing that. Um, Mm. And especially you being a man and leading from the front. I think it's such a big example of, you know what, I've done the work, it's transformed my life and it's not cliche, it's not lame. Like you can be a man and still do this work because I feel like there's so much stigma around being heart-led because you won't be macho enough. And a lot of kids even now have this conditioning just because of how society has programmed us. And even now with young adults or young boys who are listening in right now, how can they be inspired to connect with their hearts and lead through that. I would look at the, the men in your life that you look up to and ask yourself why you look up to them and just start getting curious and ask yourself, would you trade places with them? Would you want their life when you grow up? If the answer is no, you need a different role model or you, you like a certain quality trait of that person and that's okay too. But just get curious and then really start to identify what does it mean to be a man for you, for you, the Mm. past generation did it, how the past generation did it. How do you want to do this? And for a lot of men, um, speaking from experience and also being in men's circles and doing men's work, 
Sure. They want to either aspire to be like their dad, which is rare, but it happens. Or they want to aspire to not be like him and be everything that he, the ways he fell short, they want to fill in those gaps. Either way you look at that equation, it's the other side of the same coin. You're using a model to go this way or this way versus what's true for you and acceptance of what you feel is right. So it might, you know, maybe you, yeah, you don't want to be like him. Great. Well, how do you want to be? And how can you also see the good in how he showed up? And, and there's so much to that conversation. But, um, mm. I mean, for me, I grew up not wanting to be like my dad and wanting to be present and all this stuff. And now where I find it is I'm super grateful for how he showed up for me, how he didn't show up for me. I can see the positive mm -hmm. traits of my dad. I can see the ways he fell short. I can learn from all of that. And then putting that aside, I now get to say, well, how do I show up and what does it mean for me to be a man? Um, and that's an ever growing inquiry. And depending on where somebody's at developmentally or even your age, um, that might change for men from, yeah. from seasons in their life. And so it's accepting where you're at and not trying to cut corners because there's a lot of stuff out there about masculinity and men's work and all the things. And yeah. I tried to cut corners because I was really young getting into all this work, talking to guys and there's forties and fifties like, Oh, I'm so behind. Okay. Let me get ahead. And, um, sometimes you just need to live life and okay. be honest with the season of development that you're at. And, um, Alison Armstrong talks about this. She's an author mm. who, uh, about the, um, there's a book called the Imagine amazing development of men. Yeah. 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 The amazing development of men, how men go through different seasons in their life. And, um, it's just important to know which season you're in. Wow. That's pretty cool. And is there any male role model that you look up to who is heart led and who people would know about? Not anymore. I, really? I, I, I try not to put people on pedestals like that um, because okay. I've, I've seen off stage and behind the curtain and all the oh things. And I, you know, exactly I mean, every, yeah. everybody's got their own shit. And so I'm just focused on myself and in a way I've heard it been Love said, that. although I don't, I do this from time to time. My future self is my role model. Like how, how do, who do I get to become and who do I get to develop into? And that's my North star that and the divine you know, like I'm just going to be led by my intuition and I'm going to trust that that'll work out. I love that. That's such a great answer. And I think someone who I look up to in that sense, someone who's like a man and heart-led and does great work is Simon Sinek. Again, I haven't seen him off stage, so you're right. Exactly. Great point there. But yeah, I just look up to him from what I see online. But yeah. Yeah. No, I respect a lot of people in this space for yeah, their work, yeah, yeah. you know, but again, would you want to trade lives with this person and Absolutely. what's really true for you? Do you want to, to live on a farm? Do you want to have a million plus followers? Like what's true for you? Not what's the cool thing to do. Yeah, I know what you mean. You also talk about something I saw on your website, which is the bold, tough love strategy. What's that all about? Some people need something presented to them in a very loving way. Mm -hmm. So their nervous system can hear it. Some people need you to just shove a mirror in their face. <laughs> and right. I, I think one of my skills as a facilitator is I can do both. And mm. the, the tons of nuances in between. Some people really just need to be like told, no, you're being really codependent right now. 
And some people that would trigger them. And even if it's true, they won't be able to hear it and it won't be, they won't receive it. So a lot of that's just attuning to somebody's learning style, somebody's the way somebody lives, that where their baseline and their nervous system's at right now and meeting that and then guiding them towards where they want to go. But the tough love thing is just, is, yeah, it's, it's also not buying into people's victim stories. Um, it, it's like, I, yeah, I'll hear you out, I'll hold space and I'll also interrupt you and it's time to stop mm. bitching and let's focus on a solution, right? Like, um, the nuance of that while also being trauma informed and understanding that sometimes people do need to vent and this, it's a fine line to balance, but that's where the tough love part comes in. And most of my clients really love that about me that I'm just going to be upfront and call them out on their stuff. Cause even if it is tough to hear, sometimes it's what they needed to hear that nobody else is saying their therapist isn't telling them this, their friends aren't telling them this because mm. they, they want to see themselves deeper, which is hard work. Basically very lovingly kicking their ass. Yeah. Great way to go about it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, um, where are you, what's your mission now, Kevin, with where you are? What's the next following next my you? intuition. I am on a, yeah. like I said, I'm in a very interesting season in my life right now. Kind of it feels very nebulous. So I don't have an answer for that. And mm. that's uncomfortable to say, that but it's true. <laughs> I, I don't have an answer. I'm following my intuition and I'm building yeah. my connection to that. And, yeah. um, I have a really good feeling that that's going to lead me to what's You're really next. reminding me of the surrender experiment in every way. In this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's my own surrender experiment in a way. I love it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, before I let you go, how would you describe an epic being? An epic being. We're all epic beings. We are. I would say, uh, being is the thing that makes it epic. Just um, being. Yeah. That's the just being you've won the lottery of life. Like you're alive. You could not be like, that's fucking epic. It truly is. Yeah. Well put. <laughs> and yeah. where would you like, I don't have a great website, but where would you like people to find you and connect with you? Easiest ways on social. Yeah. Heartguy.com and the heart guy on Instagram. And you have a free course. You want to talk about that? Yes. And I also hit me up on YouTube, search for Kevin Crenshaw. I had a course that is all about self-love and healing codependency that hundreds of people have gone through. It was a paid offering. It was $3,000 and it's all for free wow. on YouTube now. So if you want to go through that course, search Kevin Crenshaw and you can find it under my playlists section on YouTube. And that's the wrap. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this conversation resonated, help spread the value by sharing with a friend and feel free to share your thoughts and comments on Instagram at epic.beings. Also, to stay up to date with weekly episodes, you may want to hit subscribe. Until next time, stay epic.